Welcome back to the Women of Marvel podcast, where we assemble to chat all things Marvel and more. Hi, I'm Judy Stevens. Hi, I'm Sana Amanet. <laughs> Welcome, guys, to 2018 and our new Women of Marvel. I hope you're ready for us to return in all our true insanity, but we've got an amazing wild ride for you in 2018 and into the future, including some epic video stuff so you guys can tune in for special episodes for that. But also, we're going to be returning bi-weekly, so every other Thursday with our podcast, which is going to include full interviews, roundtables, and more. So speaking of some really awesome interviews for our first episode of the year, we welcome writer Mariko Tamaki, the writer of She-Hulk. I yep. love Mariko. Mariko's amazing. She is fantastic. She's been writing comics for a while. She's also a novelist. We actually have 162, which is on sale right now, so make sure you guys go check it out. We talked to her about like writing comics and writing She-Hulk and what it means for She-Hulk to be a different color. Ooh. That's a little bit of a tease for you guys Ooh, What there. does that mean? What does that mean? I want dun, to know. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. So uh, with no further ado, guys, enjoy. This is Judy Stevens, producer. I'm Christina Harrington. I'm an editor in the X-Men group. And I'm Mariko Tamaki's editor on She-Hulk. Woo! <laughs> Mariko Tamaki is uh, currently writing Jen Walters in sort of a form that maybe people aren't super familiar with right now. Could you talk about like what Jen looks like at the moment, like at what she's feeling, that kind of thing? Uh, well, at the moment, Jen spends most of her time in her regular human form. And when she is Hulk, she is gray. And she's kind of more, I don't know, I guess, I mean, it's kind of like a, like a, an emotional version of Hulk. So instead of being this kind of sophisticated Hulk that we're used to, she's more primitive, I guess, uh, and is, isn't necessarily as polished as she would have been and is much more burdened by her emotions. So she's not able to sort of have complete control over herself. Uh, and it's something that as this has progressed and her experience of this has progressed, it's gotten a little bit worse. That's one of my favorite parts about the book, honestly, is that it isn't just Jen kind of dealing with the fact that now she's mostly human. And, and when she transforms into this Hulk character, it's usually not because she she really wants to or she needs to. It's because she's reacting to something or she realizes that she needs to give in to almost this fear, anger that's happening inside of her. I love stories about like women being angry. And I feel like that's sort of at the core of what this book is. Yeah, I mean, I think it's about the sort of frustration and anger. It's like all of these things. Like on the one hand, it's really great because she is a fighter. She's a warrior and she can use, you know, her strength to save people's lives and to do positive things. And at the same time, it's also like any person's anger. It's like your strength and it's your weakness. So it's not something that she can just sort of put her finger on as what she's going to be or what she's going to do. It's a little bit chaotic, which I think for someone like Jen, who is normally a very organized person in many ways it's a very frustrating thing and and i feel like you know jen has gone through some pretty crazy things in the last year or so i mean waking up and finding out that bruce is dead is yeah i I can't imagine how traumatic that would be yeah right i mean when i when i first kind of went through the history of hulk that was leading up to the first issue i wrote i was like all of this stuff happened like that's a lot of stuff like, not only are you, that's like, a lot of stuff up- the marvel comic story <laughs> <laughs> it really is. like i was like wait and i was like wait and her cousin died and he was killed how i was like that's horrible so you kind of have all of this like landing on you like imagine waking up in a hospital bed and you just find out the one person who was like somebody that connects to who you are on like a molecular level is gone, I think you would feel lost. And so it was really 
an amazing starting point to move into the series from that. Not that it's an amazing thing to happen, but as a writer, it was a very interesting thing to move on from. One of my favorite issues that you tackled was Hulk number 11. Right before we dove into our legacy, we actually changed the name of the book to She-Hulk uh, to sort of celebrate the, the, the long history there. But uh, you talk about being inspired by the history of what She-Hulk has done at Marvel. A lot of the fourth wall breaking kind of found its way into that issue. Do you want to talk about like how you how you decided that was a thing that you wanted to? Because once you pitched that story to me for issue 11, I was just like, uh, go with this. Please run. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I think one of the things that you're always saying to me is like, take advantage of the fact that this is a comic, like take advantage of all the tools that you have. And really one of my favorite sort of She-Hulk things is that breaking of the fourth wall and the fact that she is a character who is aware of her own ironies and all of that stuff. Like that's a really fun thing to work with. Like as somebody who has like a love hate with like Grey's Anatomy and this kind of standard, like the strong woman in like a horrible situation television series. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm really into that. And I love the kind of like unhelpful voiceover uh, and playing with that. And I just love the idea that in as much as I find the voiceover annoying, that'd be really funny if Jen also found the voiceover annoying. I had such a blast writing that one. Yeah, I think she drop kicks a caption at one point. So we got to have a yeah. lot of fun with the way that lettering was working in the book. And uh, Bachan, who's an artist, who's the one that drew that issue, he he really sort of like embraced the fourth wall breaking nature of it, was drawing in little tiny boxes for where the captions should go so that when she was like grabbing it or kicking it or meanly looking at a, in a caption that the letterer would know where to put things. And Travis Lanham, who's our letterer through virtual calligraphy, I think he really embraced it too. It was kind of great to yeah. see everybody like super involved in this, this really cool story. And I also think it's a really fun sort of example of the Hellcat Hulk relationship and the idea of having them be sort of like friends in that way of like your friend is like talking with you about your date you're about to go on and a friend is also someone who pitches in when things get messy right so she's like <laughs> she's able to be like both sides of that life yeah I mean I've been just like, sort of loving the art on this and I think that every time we've done a She-Hulk cover the art is so different and unique and I love that because I feel like the art matches this sort of new Jennifer this Jennifer who's trying to deal with this crazy new world that she's a part of yeah, we've had yeah. great cover artists. Jeff DeCall was uh, the first ARCS cover artist, and then the middle chunk was by John Tyler Christopher. And most recently for our, our Legacy ARC, we've had Raza, who has drawn some amazing stuff. The cover to 163 is beautiful and should be out there in the world very soon. I love it, and I've also never, like, the whole variant cover thing is new to me and I had someone who brought like a cover for me to sign and I was like this isn't me and he was like yes it is and I was like no it's not and, he was like, yes, it is. <laughs> and then he kind of like gave me this moment I was like look I don't get to see everything and he had to prove to me to like open it up not only that I was like okay now I'm gonna sign it because apparently it is me but I've never seen this before <laughs> I mean I think that's so interesting about She-Hulk is her color right obviously when we first first meet the Hulk long long time ago he's gray and then he becomes green And then when we first meet Jennifer, she's green and now she's gray. What is it like to sort of play with that different color of her? Well, I think it's always a great thing when you have something symbolic that you can tell a part of the story in this very meaningful visual way. That's one of the things that comics does is it allows you to sort of show and not tell in places. And it allows you to sort of lay the way for a significant change just with the changing of the color of your character. So I really enjoy it. I mean, it was like one of the things when I did the first issue and Nico Leon and I were talking about Hulk's apartment and that all of the furniture should be really big because she's in human form, mm-hmm. but her apartment would have been built for someone who's like two and a half feet taller or three feet taller. <laughs> <laughs> 
And he was like, yeah, like we can just do that. So we can show her being kind of like a fish out of water just by changing her environment and making it for this other person that she's not anymore. And I, I always love that kind of, because that's like the sort of height of collaboration is when you have a part of the story that can be told just by showing something. Yeah, and Nico and uh, our, our colorist on that first arc, Matt Mila, they talked a lot too about incorporating greens and purples all around Jen. And so when she starts getting more agitated and more more anxious, more greens enter the frame suddenly. And otherwise, it's a very purple, calm tone. This book has been like a, a really great example of the cool, great things you can do when your creators are all collaborating. Because that's what comics are. It's a beautiful collaboration. Yeah. So before coming to Marvel, you wrote your own graphic novels. Like, what has it like been sort of changing to the superhero world? It's been a long journey for me. I mean, I think the thing is, is that there's things that I wasn't ever really paying attention to in comics. Like, I think I've learned more about comics the longer I've been working on them. I think the first graphic novels I did with my cousin, Jillian Tamaki, I was really learning, like, what you can do in terms of having one line that is text and sort of part of the story that's visuals and the kind of disconnect and connections you can make with those. So that was sort of that process of learning what comics can even do. And I think moving into a series, first of all, the hardest thing about writing a series is that you only have like 22 pages or 20 pages. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that's really hard. And it's actually like now, like when I pitch a story, I know whether or not it's, it will fit. The hardest thing is not even 22 pages, but like 22 pages times six, so that you have to actually consider that each comic has to be its own story, but that you have to create a desire to read the next comic, which is not something you have to worry about in graphic novels, because once you've bought the graphic novel, like, you know, you're in it. Uh, <laughs> so it was it was a really tricky thing. And actually, I got some really great advice early on, Joan Hilty, who I worked with on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. She was like, you have no ticking clock, <laughs> which is, makes sense because I have no sense of time in general. Uh, <laughs> she said, watch movies and stuff, like see where that comes from and the things that you like to watch. And you have to apply that to what you're doing. So that was a huge help. And now, I mean, I think it's, it's something I really enjoy. One of the things I've learned, especially with working with Marvel, is to really outline. Like now I am... A detailed outliner <laughs> because there's nothing like hitting like the middle of the fourth issue and being like oh no now <laughs> like, <laughs> what am I gonna do how did you get into comics like what was the first thing that made you go no this is the thing that I want to be writing I started off in theater and I actually had no real connection to comics whatsoever and then I was working with this woman who had a literary magazine and she decided she would do a series of comics and she was like, well, do you know any illustrators? And I was like, I think I'm related to a really amazing illustrator. <laughs> <laughs> so I called Jillian and I was like, this is like an opportunity to do like a mini comic, like no bigs, like a 20 pager for this literary magazine if you're interested in doing something. And she was fortunately. So it was really just an opportunity to do something. And then it was like, I realized how big an opportunity it was after the first comic came out and I realized how much I loved it. Because the thing with theater is that I love collaborating. I love working with other people. But when you work on something like for theater, 100 people maybe see it and then it's gone. So you have this great collaboration and you have this great community, but then the thing you make is completely ephemeral. And with comics, the thing that you collaborate on, that sort of like mass of people, like you said, like coming together and creating a story is something that you can actually hold on to. So it was really 
for me, I mean, I just, I love it. That's a beautiful story and beautiful reasoning, and I love it. <laughs> I know, like, I, you know, obviously that makes so much sense, but I've never thought about it in no, such a me way. Neither. <laughs> I mean, I've never thought of comics as like, I am the person telling the story. I think I am the first part of the story. And then I am always like really amazed when I see what can happen after I like hand a script in. Mm-hmm. Like when I was working on uh, Tomb Raider, you know, because I just loved working with this uh, artist, Philip Sevy, and I'd be like, I would just like write a script that said like, they fight. (laughs) 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 And he would have these great ideas. And it's been the same with Hulk. I mean, it's always like that fine line between being lazy and being like (laughs) creating a space for someone to do their work. I think sometimes my scripts are like, here's what I think could happen. But maybe that's a crazy thing to draw. So if you come up with something else, like here's basically where we need to start and where we need to finish. You say that about sort of theater and sort of like the different people, but you think about theater and how like, Yes, there are some shows that are put on and never put out again, but so many shows come back as their own versions, which is so similar yeah. to comics. You know, like yeah. the you know, the story of of She-Hulk of Jennifer, it's been told before, but it mm-hmm. also is told differently every single time and every element oh, totally. of those adds to that overall perspective of character over time. Yeah, and I think it's a rich resource. And the thing is is I always try to stay as true to what I understand to be the sort of heart of a character. And it's hard to, especially when you're putting a character through some very difficult times, you know, to stay true to the sort of center of that character. But that is definitely what I want. Like I've always said like, okay, so this always dates me, (laughs) but it's like when you go to like a Tom Petty concert (laughs) and they play your favorite song and it's your, it's like a weird version of your favorite song. And you're like, what the hell? That's not how you play it on the record. That's not what I want to hear. I want to hear this opening. This is how I want to hear it with this guitar. But then you have to see that there is part of being a fan, I think, is being a fan of of the many things that can come out of one thing that you love. Yeah. So we have this idea in mind in editorial where we know that a good Marvel story is about the character behind the mask. And that's the core of what a Marvel story is to us here. Uh, And every time we do that, even if that character changes or she suddenly got gray skin with green scars, she's dealing with trauma, she's moving forward. It's about Jen and it's about who that person is. And the fact that she's a superhero complicates that person and makes her super interesting. But it's the person inside of the Hulk, I guess. <laughs> so yeah. The Russian doll, the Jen inside. Actually, isn't there a cover that is like that? Oh my gosh, no, you're right. 162. <laughs> the covers are so amazing. What was the cover that had like a donut and it was like all squished yes, up? Yes, that was from John Why Taylor Christopher. That was for, um, oh man, I think issue 10. Uh, she was like crushing so. this cupcake. Oh, it was excellent. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I was in such a great British bake-off place and I was like, yes. I really just yes. want to go in this direction. And I feel like I totally understand if people are like, what is with this baking stuff? I'm like, look, this is what she's into right now. Yes. Amongst the many things that she is into. She loves the law. She loves her friends. And right now, she's really into pastry. Exactly- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's all good. Yeah, this is fair. Uh, I love that she's watching these cooking shows in the first arc of, of, of Hulk, trying to calm down, like using it as a way to like release tension. And then the second arc is all about one of her favorite online chefs, like one of the cooking show hosts, getting turned into a monster. And I was just like, oh, I'm so happy that you took that little tiny thing and then just ran with that thread. And it turned into a really cool story. Funny too, because Nico said when we were doing the first arc, he was like, there's going to be 
that she's been cooking in the background. So there's like little Easter eggs of like her attempts at cooking <laughs> yeah. in the illustrations. And he was like, yeah, like she's like smashed the machine because she yeah, got the mixer. mad at it. Like, like a smash mixer. Yeah, It smashed into the wall. I forgot about that. The first issue, he drew it smashed right. into the wall. When he sent in the layouts, right. he circled it and he was like, not a mistake. She gets mad sometimes and like <laughs> circled it. And I was like, oh my God, this is too good. This is too good. Yeah. Then I was like, let's keep going with it. Yeah. I mean, it's been really, it's been really fun. Like everybody that I've gotten to work with, it's amazing to see how different people draw, what different people bring to the sort of embodiment of that experience. I mean, it's kind of like all these different like Rorschach tests of like rage <laughs> in, in, various, in various issues. I don't want to like say too much about it, but we're t- working towards something in 163 that helps resolve some of these issues. Do you want to speak to that a little bit without being too spoilery? Yeah, I mean, I think like one of the things that we have been sort of talking about sort of moving from the first issue to where we are now is just like what it means to have this rage like to have where the problem lies in it I guess so where is the thing that you can kind of overcome something so that you can kind of gain control of it we've taken Jen to this place where she's kind of just done this thing where she's just kind of managed and she sort of feels like she without having to go sort of inwards has just kind of outwardly managed whatever sort of rage stuff she has or whatever's going on that she's still gray. And we're sort of moving more and more towards a point where she's got less and less in control. So whatever she's doing so far is not working. And I don't think it's a spoiler to say it was kind of inspired by a Grant Morrison comic that I read. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, in the in the new X-Men. I was like, yeah, Jen is a place where she wants to just kind of go outward. So let's just change the direction where she's sort of forced to go inward, like to really look at this thing that she's kind of really would rather close her eyes to. And to go back to this original character that we introduced in the first arc, Flo, as someone who's going to help her to get to something that she doesn't really want to get to, like get to an emotional experience that she doesn't really want to go into and to have fun with it visually. (laughs) Yeah, it's like you said, you were like, let's just make sure that this is really a comic and so that the stuff that happens (laughs) is the the fact that it's a comic. And I just like went as far with that as I possibly could. You super did. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, it looks amazing. So I'm really excited. It should be pretty fun. I think it'll be a satisfying couple of issues for longtime She-Hulk fans. Well, this was lovely talking about She-Hulk. I, I want to thank you because we've been trying to schedule this call and we go for a while, but we did it happen. Yeah, we did. Yay. Life kept getting in the way. <laughs> Comics kept jumping up in front of us. <laughs> um, I understand. I understand. It's like a busy factory over there. I just imagine oh, yeah. it's kind of like this very like Willy Wonka-esque. You're, thank you're you for correct. Uh, setting this up there's definitely chocolate rivers and yep. we break into song uh, randomly it's actually like it's yeah. like it's counterproductive <laughs> a lot we're just kind of like oh we gotta stop singing but we like it so much yeah. it's hard that's what I picture. it's hard that's what i picture so. and you say like hey i'll try to get to you at five o'clock i'm like they must be in that chocolate river <laughs> slowly drowning in chocolate yeah. <laughs> sounds, like, sounds amazing and also the worst at the same time yep. <laughs> oh you'd be so sticky when you got out oh I know. Yeah, okay we were weird it would be so great for two seconds and then yep. it'll be horrible. It'd be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mariko, do you have a Twitter that people can follow you on and ask you questions on the internet? <laughs> yeah, I am I am my name. I am at Mariko Tamaki on Twitter. Thanks guys. Have a good day in your in your magical factory. We'll check <laughs> okay. you guys later. Thanks to Mariko and Christina for joining us. As always, if you have questions or suggestions, you can email us at womanof at marvel.com or check out our Instagram 
at the Women of Marvel. And oh, don't forget, you can tweet at Marvel with hashtag Women of Marvel. So we'll check you guys later. This is Marvel, your universe.